Let's pray. Come, Holy Spirit. We give you permission, Lord, to do what you desire. Make our minds, our hearts, and our souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate the scriptures for us. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. All right. This nice, easy cotton candy gospel for us today, right? Yeah, good stuff. Um, no, difficult things that the Lord is saying. And we've been talking about this. We're, we're going through, and during these Sundays of ordinary time, through the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is at the beginning of Matthew's gospel. He is standing as the new Moses. Christ as Moses, the one who went up the mountain, received the law from the Lord, and went down and communicated to the, to the Jewish people. And it was through this law, right, making a covenant with them, that he would be their God and they would be his people. And so part of the law was like, hey, they, they, they had fallen away, right, and serving other gods and all these things like, okay, well, since I am the Lord, like, this is what it means to serve me. Beginning with, like, I'm the only God, don't serve any other gods, all these things. So the beginning of the revelation of the law was, like, this is who I am, and this is who you are, and this is what it means to be in communion with me. And then all throughout the Old Testament, the Lord's sending the prophets and these and just deepening this understanding of the Mosaic law until Christ himself comes. And as Christ comes, he takes what he's saying here. They're saying, he's, he begins to teach them. And he's teaching them, saying, like, you've heard what it said, but I say this. He says, I'm not come to abolish the law. It is given by God. Right? The, the, Moses communicated it on behalf, having received it from God and communicated in that way. But I've come to fulfill it, to take it to a deeper level, into a higher calling. And... So he now is in the flesh, the word made flesh, definitively giving what it means of who God is and who we are, and then the new law, what it means to live in communion with him. And actually, this is where um, our understanding of law and freedom oftentimes get mixed up. We have this notion of like, oh gosh, like all these rules that I'm not free to do what I want to do. But the truth is, is that when a law is a just law in the sense that it is right and proper, right, it gives us genuine freedom. And so the moral law of Christ is not there actually to take away our freedom, but to set us free. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so if you think of this, think of this example uh, of music. You know, if you sat me down at that piano over there, uh, I couldn't play any music because I don't know any of the rules of music. I don't know any of the laws of music. I am free. You say, Father, you're free to play. Like, I'm not free. I'm only free to make a bunch of noise. And no one would call it music. 
But if I took classes, then I could play a few notes and a few things, but it's like hard and arduous and taking me time. But the more that I, that, I, that I would practice and the more that I would take, then these rules of music would kind of become habit to me and part of who I was. And if I mastered it, then I could actually write new songs and play new songs that have never been played before, but only within the rules of music. Because if I go outside, anybody could be like, bong, you know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, you got that one wrong. I don't know what you're doing, but you certainly got that part wrong, right? So there's this understanding. Any game that we play, right, the Super Bowl is going to happen this afternoon. All those players are free to play the game. But if they step outside of the rules, like, ah, flag, right? Well, no, I, you gave me the ball. I'm just, would you step out of bounds? I, I just want to keep running. You're impeding my freedom. No, you're not playing by the rules. Even language. We can only, I'm only communicating to you because I'm using the rules of English. And, and it's just like these different rules that allow us and give us freedom to actually communicate. So the moral law of Christ actually sets us free to flourish as human beings. And part of the difficulty with us is that we, right, we, we experience our fallen humanity. And I've, I've mentioned this before, and it's just important for us because we, we have our own perspective, and sometimes we think that we're seeing clearly all the time, but be, we have what the church calls a darkened intellect and a weakened will and disordered passions because of the fall. And so we need to be taught the truth. Our wills need to be strengthened to choose the truth. Our passions need to be converted and healed and renewed that they desire what we should desire and so as the Lord is giving the law to them and then uh, through Moses and now through Christ himself he's saying this is what it means to flourish as a human being so he started with the Beatitudes he's teaching them some things and so now he's saying this and it seems like to us he's just making it harder like Lord I thought you were nice, you know? You healed that guy. You fed the 5,000. All of that's fantastic. What are you talking about? You have heard that it was said, do not kill. I say, don't be angry. What? I mean, is that possible? And so here's where we have to understand, you know, what is Jesus presenting where we, the marriage and divorce thing that's here, uh, we, could, we could talk about that for like a week and we're just going to scratch the surface. But when they ask him about it later in Matthew 19, he says, in the beginning it was not so, right? Moses allowed you to divorce because of the hardness of your hearts, but the beginning it was not so. What Jesus is hearkening to in this Sermon on the Mount is what we're created for before the fall. And what he's saying is, I am actually, I'm not just like making this harder and be like, ha, huh, I'm going to see if you can do it, you know, I'm going to watch you trip trying to jump over, you know, this, this law here. He's like, no, I'm going to give you this grace. The capacity to live this way, I am going to give you. And it doesn't mean it's like a snap your finger and then that's it. It's a journeying with him. But in Ezekiel 36, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 36, Jesus says, I will take from you your stony hearts, and I will give you natural hearts, and I will inscribe my law upon your heart. 
that you may live by my statues. And what he says right before this, what he says, I will purify you and wash you with water. The beginning of this journey is through baptism, where Jesus is taking our stony hearts and giving us his natural hearts. And the journey through the rest of our life is, Lord, like, take my stony heart. We come to receive the Holy Eucharist, right? We need to confess our sins, be in a state of grace. If we've committed mortal sin, we come to receive the Eucharist. Then there should be an intentionality in my mind. This is not just some cute bread. It's not just some ceremonial thing. This is Jesus Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity. He is divine life. And brothers and sisters, that God, when we consume him, is meant to have an effect in my life. And so when we approach with no faith and just superficially, merely by habit, there's no effect. And even St. Paul says if we don't discern the body, blood, soul, and divinity of our Lord or, or we're not in a state of grace, then we eat and drink, St. Paul says, condemnation upon ourselves because of the power of the grace and the reality of who the Lord is in the sacrament. But when we come, even in our brokenness, even in our imperfection, and we believe in him, and we believe in his promises, even if that belief is imperfect, and we long for more, then he never ceases to give himself. And he never ceases to give the grace to live in a way that is impossible on our own. So when you say, like, okay, Lord, you're saying all these difficult things to us, and then he's saying, okay, well, I'm not leaving you alone. This is my body. Given up for you. I want your stony heart, and I'm giving you my sacred heart to love each other with. That's what's happening in the Eucharist. That's what's happening at Mass. Let us be aware. Let us be intentional. That's there. Again, um, so he's talking about the anger thing. What's the, are we going to experience the emotion of anger? Yes. So did Jesus, right? What's the issue? Well, the issue as if it's unjust anger, if I willfully consent to it, it is sin. Because when he's saying in the heart, when he talks about, again, lust in the heart, are you going to experience attractions to other people? Yes. Being attracted to someone, not a sin. But if I begin to consent to lusting after them, and the consent is in the will, and this is where, again, the biblical notion of the heart is where the will resides. It's not just our emotions. It's where the will is, where the choice for God or against God, for love or against love, the heart, the core of who we are. And so if I, right, again, there's an attraction to someone, I say, okay, I'm attracted to them, but then I begin to consent to lustfully lusting after them, then he's saying that's an adultery of the heart. It's a willful consent to it, that I'm entertaining it and moving in that way. And actually, when we sin, whatever it be, externally, interiorly, all of it comes from an act of the will, and we're, we're actually creating an affection for it. Like when we commit a sin, pride, envy, greed, lust, jealousy, whatever, we're, we're willfully saying, yes, I want that, I'm choosing that, and then we're like habitual, we're making a habit of it. And a habit towards sin is called vice, right? 
But when we choose the good, when we choose love, we're actually creating and facilitating an affection for the good. And a habit towards the good is called virtue. This is what Jesus is calling us towards here. Um, again, you go into the issue of divorce, it is a hard, one of the hardest and most difficult realities, right, we're in. I, I um, yeah, I know, my own parents are divorced. I've walked with couples through so many different things in the, in the almost 15 years of my priesthood. Um, it is hard, it is difficult. And so, can't cover all of this here. I just wanna encourage you, if you're hearing this, and you're just going, you know, bleep you, Jesus. Uh, I'm going to do whatever I, I want to do, right? And then we're not actually saying, okay, what is the Lord communicating? And what is the Lord teaching? And I want to come with humility and honesty, even in the hurt, even in the difficulty, because this touches, we're going to be honest, all of our lives in some way. Lord, this hard, difficult thing, what are you saying? And that we seek to understand deeply the teaching of, of the church on marriage and family so that we can understand. And what the Lord is saying here fundamentally is that this sacrament that is established, this covenant is established, is an unbreakable bond. Again, he's going to talk about it later in Matthew 19. And so what he says then, what God has joined, no man can separate. Um, the church does acknowledge that there are situations that become untenable, physical abuse, emotional abuse, other things, serial, right, uh, just, just serial consistent infidelity and not engaging in the marriage. Um, then the church allows, right, for separation or even civil divorce. But the church acknowledges that if the, the marriage was valid, we cannot separate what the Lord has joined because Jesus himself has said that. It is a covenant in this way. Is that hard? Is it difficult? Yes. People ask the question, what about an annulment? Some people think, well, it's just a Catholic church kind of getting around. It's like a Catholic divorce and, and these hard topics and we're just skimming here. But annulment says that basically when the two people sought to enter into marriage, that the four pillars of the wedding vows, freedom, totality, fidelity, and fruitfulness, something about those four pillars that are the, the necessary understanding and the necessary uh, elements, you might say, of them being able to exchange the vows and have a valid marriage, something wasn't sufficiently in place that didn't allow for it to take and to be present. Very sensitive issue, so many things. Again, my heart feels the hurt of this lived reality um, from my own family and all these things. So I don't say these things lightly um, and I don't want to say it tritely and I don't like just skimming through. But I just really want to invite you to, to read up on the theology of the body, the church's teaching uh, of why and, and come have a conversation with me if you're struggling with this or any of those things. I would love to walk with you um, and wrestle with you with the Lord's teaching here. But it is a clear teaching, a hard teaching, but a, but a clear one that, that he's giving. Last one, uh, and I know it's a lot. I just, the Lord gave us a lot in the gospel today. False oath. So people would take oaths a lot in the Old Testament, just like we like, hey, I swear, you know, I swear to this or I swear to that or like on the 
skin of my teeth or you know whatever whatever we say all kind of weird things when we like uh, I promise you on this or that or whatever and the Lord is just saying like people people in the Old Testament they would have like these higher O's and then these like lower O's and then like a lower O's and people are like okay well like I'm not really telling them the truth so I'll just make like a low oath you know just like a, like right here and I'm like really being honest with someone and so the what the Lord is saying is like be a man and a woman of integrity be a man and a woman of integrity. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. This is, this is what he's telling us. This is hard because we get in difficult situations and we're like, ah, I don't want someone to like see me this way or no, or like I don't know what to do and like fear comes and we just kind of react. So there's a real invitation like, again, in humility, we're all broken, we're all messed up, it's all a struggle. But you know what? Yep, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. You know what? I messed up there. Oh, that thing that you're asking me to do, I want to tell you that I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm, I'm not. Don't think I can do it. And, and the truth is, we all know that when people are honest with us in those ways, we actually trust them more. And then when we're honest with others, they trust us more. So this is this invitation that our yes mean yes and our no mean no. And then when we fail in that way to ask for forgiveness and to move. Is this hard? Yes, yeah, hard because we're broken. So in all of this, skimming across all of these things, um, what is the Lord doing? He's not just making it harder. He's actually telling us what we're made for. He's telling us what is made for human flourishing, what real happiness. This is coming after the Beatitudes. And we talked about happiness is not just contentment, but communion with God. It's not just contentment. It's not just pleasure, but it's communion with him, which sometimes is hard and difficult. And sometimes it is joyous and fluffy. It's great. But sometimes it's hard and there's a real communion with Jesus when we're living the way in which he has created us. And then this, this allows for us to experience the peace and the love and the joy that only the Holy Spirit can give. So at the beginning of his teaching in Matthew's gospel, Jesus said, look, Moses gave you the law before grace. Moses gave you the law and said, hey, this is where we begin. It was like kindergarten, okay? Now... The Lord is saying, I am here, and the Holy Spirit is here, and I'm giving you the grace to live as you were originally created. Is it hard? Yes, it is hard, but I am with you, and I will take from you your stony hearts, and I will give you your natural hearts, and this journey will be one of dying to self, but rising with me, and the joy and the grace of living in whom and how God has created us. So his law is a law that gives true freedom and as we follow this it is like we'll be like Beethoven in the moral life being able to move and live in the virtue that only the Holy Spirit and that freedom that is there so as we come to receive the Holy Eucharist today let us be reminded that Christ's call is a high call but it's one that he gives us his very life to follow and to live. And so as we come before him, Lord, I am poor and I cannot live your law alone. And he says, I know, here is my body. Here is my blood given up for you. I take from you your stony heart and I give you my natural heart that you may live this way. So rejoice and be glad 
for we are sons and daughters of the King. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at Christ the King is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit ctklsu.org.